always going to have a car payment. We're always going to have a credit card payment. We're always going to have a student loan payment. We're always going to have a house payment. But what if you didn't? I appreciate him giving that caveat. In the scriptures, moral law, and then there's principles. If it doesn't happen, you can go bankrupt. Bruce Lawn. This is Ramsey being on Graham Stephan, and I really like this. Graham Stephan, who has 10 credit cards, yeah. was on the Dave Ramsey show, and Dave Ramsey was on his show, and did like an hour and a half podcast with him. And that's rare because he's not very often on these other platforms outside of his own studio. I thought this was really cool. So I'm going to play you guys one clip where the crux of the conversation comes in in terms of him seemingly taking a softer stance on debt. Now, I've shared with you guys that I am debt-free. However, I have two credit cards now. We pay them off every month. It's a JetBlue card and a Delta card. And this is one of the areas where, for me, I feel like debt is dessert. Most people can't handle it. Most people probably shouldn't have dessert. But if you know how to handle it, you can use it and leverage it to your benefit. So, like, is the institution of dessert predatory? Probably. Should most people have dessert? Probably not. But uh, people can use it for their benefit, like elite-level athletes, like people that have extreme amounts of self-control. My wife is one of those folks that could literally just have a bite of, of of ice cream and put it right back in the freezer. I, I, I kind of have a rule that's not super solid, but I, I try to implement it. No dessert from a grocery store because uh, it's going to give you too much. I like that. You're going to get 17 chocolate or ice cream bars versus just paying. I'd rather pay more money to yep. be held accountable yep. for one chocolate bar or one ice cream bar down the street. Yep. Do you say debt is bad? Because for the average person, that is a good principle to live by. And with that, I kind of agree with you. However, if people do utilize debt in an effective way, such as Graham, he's very responsible, very well researched on you know the markets and how he can leverage his money with debt. Do you think that that is a more effective way to, to grow fast if you're calculated with it? It is a more effective way to grow fast if that's your goal. But what people leave out of the discussion is that you've increased your risk mm. exponentially. More debt equals more risk, period. You know, after I went broke, I had to analyze and go, okay, what went wrong here? And because was it, see, I had never lost money on a flip. I was not behind on the notes. They just called them. Hmm. They had the ability to do that because it was commercial paper. It wasn't traditional mortgages. It was not a So this man, uh, you know, he says you can grow faster with debt. Yeah. He says that you uh, can leverage it. However, he says people don't assess the risk. I think he's spot on. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I think that is a risk. Yeah. And just like the elite level athlete that can leverage processed sugar, gummy worms to get his protein and his creatine and his bloodstream faster, you also run the risk of having too much because it doesn't satiate you and you could overconsume it very easily. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good so point. I, th I think he's spot on. Go ahead. Paper. And um, so, I, you know, what it amounted to was, and I, so I had proven track record of making money. I mean, I did. I, I probably own 2,000 pieces of real estate in my life. And so I was doing. And I also think it's interesting. He says that it wasn't a regular mortgage. It wasn't a fixed mortgage. He was doing these weird 90 day flips and two day flips and this, these, yeah. th these different, which I don't even know if those still exist or like what was happening, but definitely doesn't seem like he was out here getting a 30 year fixed mortgage, fixing up a house, right? Or do people get 30 year fixed? Those for are you guys that are investors. Yeah, for yeah. flipping. Like, are you guys getting 30 year fixed mortgages, 15 year fixed mortgage? Like, how does that work if you're trying to flip? I bet if you're pulling out a lot of mortgages, then you automatically get entered, I would assume. Mm hmm. You automatically get entered into some sort of uh, business, like business loan versus, yeah. I don't know. To get started, though, you got to start and take a lot of risk. I mean, Ryan, on, on this channel, I believe, we talked about how the dude, like, maxed out his credit cards. Yeah. Which like sounds scary to me. 30 grand or something. Like yeah, that, 20, he, him, and his wife was on board. But he also knew, hey, worst case scenario, I lose it all. Yeah. I file for bankruptcy. Yeah, that's crazy. So he assessed the risk. That's sus. Yeah. A lot of flips. 
And some of them I was doing in 24 hours. You know, I'd just buy them and flip them to another investor and make 10 grand and keep walking, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was doing 100% financed. I didn't put any money in it. Not a dime. I didn't have any money. So he's also doing a hundred percent risks, uh, risk in terms of like it's it's all you know debt. Now again, I guess Ryan would be doing the same thing, but it, it seems like this is a little different than how, from my understanding, how people are flipping now. But I could be wrong on that. That one bank, and yeah, so it set me up. And so after I crashed, I kind of had to go through a CSI, you know, an autopsy and go, okay, why did the patient die? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So what I, you know, cause everything I was taught, I grew up in the real estate business. And when you, when you're in the real estate business as a profession, one of the rules is they take your risk meter out and they sit on the table and they break it. So you have no, you have no ability to perceive risk because everything's good. Everything's going up and you know, and, and you know, it always works. And, uh, the, this, I would say this is a lot of entrepreneurs. I think not just folks in real estate, but a lot of us are, are definitely, overly optimistic and visionaries you know like we definitely see it overly this is going to work out and you know i don't know if that's a real estate thing or just how people are as creatives as people who are visionaries entrepreneurs so on and so forth mythology that just because something worked once it's always going to work every time so uh I, I had to go through kind of a healing of my heart in that regard and go oh wait a minute this is risk uh, oh, wait a minute. OPM, other people's money. Yeah, it's kind of got that get rich quick slimy vibe to it, you know, and all that. But there are people that intelligently, more intelligently than that, use debt. And so there's a spectrum there. But even those. So I appreciate him saying there's a spectrum there because a lot of folks with the Dave Ramsey stuff are very binary. Some of you guys still to this day are like, Ruslan, you have credit cards and you pay them off every month. How dare you? You're dumb. Bible says debt is dumb. You're stupid. Ramsey says there's a spectrum there. I'm not the same guy that runs a balance of $10,000 making minimum payments, right? I have a business credit card that gets paid off every month. Completely different. Different end of the spectrum. Graham Stephan, different end of the spectrum. I appreciate him giving that caveat because it's not black and white for debt or anti-debt. I'm generally anti-most consumer debt. But, I mean, not paying for flights is pretty dope. You know, not like being able to maneuver uh, and, and, and get those benefits. No, it's not going to make me rich for having free flights. That's what I'm saying. However, it does save a lot of money if you're already going to spend the money. We're building a podcast studio. You know how, how many how much money I'm saving on travel by built by using my credit card and paying it off every single month, paying it off every single buying all the like it's it, it, it adds up very quickly are taking on risk. And so when you have Buffett says when the uh, when the tide goes out, you can tell who's skinny dipping. So when you stress test with an economic problem of some kind, uh, outside variable or inside variable, inside your organization or your life, inside your portfolio, or the economy, like a, a quarantine type thing comes up, or of inflation or mm. recession, and you stress test your theories, um, you know, you can tell who's skinny dipping when the tide goes out, and uh, you, you, if your theories don't last. And so the only one I've ever found, and this comes back to my faith journeys where it started, the borrower, slave, the lender, I can find nowhere in scripture that debt was used to bless people. Now, here... He makes a theological point, and I've been wanting to look this up. Um, he says, nowhere in Scripture it says that debt was used to bless people. Now, isn't it the story of Elijah telling the widow to borrow oil? Elijah instructed the widow to borrow as many vessels uh, uh, as possible from all her neighbors in Second Kings. I mean, maybe he wouldn't think this is debt, right? A certain woman uh, of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know 
that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be a slave. So this is kind of wild. They're about to take her sons. The creditors are coming. The bad guys are coming, right, to take her two sons as slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. Now, maybe in this context it says borrow, like borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor. Is that what he's saying? Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you. And you and your sons then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who bought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. Uh, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. And I'm not saying it's not the same. I'm just saying that's a very absolute statement that he's making there. Uh, is servants who debt Jacob worked for uh, seven years for Rachel? Yeah, that's true. Jacob did work for seven years for Rachel. So, you know, using debt to bless versus using debt in a neutral way. I don't know. I, th I think, I think Ramsey is creating a false binary. People can use debt responsibly Again, just like you can have dessert responsibly. Believe that or do I believe my academic training? I've got a degree in finance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know how to run an IRR, you know, and I know what the IRR. And I also think, I don't, I think, I think this is, this is what I think. I think this is anchoring bias on Ramsey's part. He learned this and it, and, is a, and, it, and I think he's missing the, the fact, and some of you guys might think this is crazy. This is missing the fact there is law in the scriptures, moral law, and then there's principles. Moral law, adultery, murder, stealing, Right? moral law these things are never okay then there's principles live on less than what you make have a plan don't get into debt so on right and so that the, that tension between law and principle so a, a principle is hey this is a best practice sabbath went from being a law to being a principle because jesus is now our sabbath and that is one of the 10 commandments not repeated in the new testament Right. So that is a principle of how we should live our laws. There's circumcision. Circumcision went from being a law to being a principle. And then our hearts are circumcised. But you don't have to get circumcised anymore. Right. And so I think debt, I don't ever see it as a binary law. I see it as a principle. And I see it as a hey, people who do this are stupid. People who do this are dumb. I see that in Proverbs. But to make it a, a binary. And so what I think happened is I think Ramsey read this stuff. Early on, and a lot of us Protestants tend to see the Bible very binary rules and moral conduct for everything. And so you're reading Proverbs, not understanding that Proverbs aren't literal promises. They're, they're principles and they're guidelines and they're, and, they're, and they're prescriptives of wise living, not one for one. Because sometimes you can go and and and, and so and so and so and so and so and, and you may not reap, you may not reap for a season. You may not reap at all because maybe you're sowing into the wrong thing, right? And so I love Proverbs, by the way, right? But I think that, that there's a difference there between like reading Proverbs and reading the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, if you lust in, the, in, your, in your heart for a woman, mm, I, th I, th I think we're conflating the two. And I think Ramsey came to the faith right as he was building this ministry. I, I, I think it's really weird to like use this as a theological point, right? Um, good point. She borrowed vessels, not the oil. She still borrowed vessels and needed to. She worked and filled them up with oil. Yeah. Yeah, but she still borrowed vessels that she had to give back. Now, you're saying, is it different? Yeah, I, I, I guess you could say it's different. If you're responsible debt, you will be okay if, if um, not going to pay it back, right? Uh, baptism replaces circumcision. Amen. Amen. That's good. Okay, let's get back to this uh, clip. 
looks like without with with uh, with debt and without debt. And it's not nearly as good unless you're leveraged. But you can run an IRR through the roof with leverage. Mm-hmm. Guess what's left out of the IRR calculation? There's no math inserted for risk. This is a great point. What what I've been able to build my life, this YouTube channel, music, all these different things has taken a lot of risk. A lot of folks don't factor in the risk. A lot of folks don't factor in. Somebody said in the chat earlier, living your life in that visionary, uber optimistic, the glass is always half full, without the legs, the relationships, the information, the network, the work ethic, the 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 intensity can be very dangerous. Most independent musicians don't make it. Most people who do YouTube don't make it. Right. And so you need a, a culmination, not just a mindset. See, a lot of the self-help stuff, a lot of the new age stuff is, is selling you on a mindset. You can have the right mindset and do and do all the all the right things, but be missing key ingredients at being successful and what it actually takes to be successful. The IRR is agnostic to risk. It doesn't recognize it. And so while you see this great rate of return, there's zero risk showing up in there, the chance that you lose the thing or the chance that the stress brings on your life or what it does to your marriage or what it does to your body to carry around the weight of that. None of that is parlayed into there. And real estate is unique in that way because other investment vehicles teach us to mathematically insert risk. For instance, two mutual funds, you would never compare an aggressive growth stock mutual fund with a with a growth in income. Okay, and if you look at the chart, he's spitting right here, by the way, like this is Ramsey in his sweet spot. I mean, he's dropping gems right here. This is really good. The growth in income is kind of like this and the aggressive growth is like this. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the risk factor and the highs and lows on that. You all probably know this is called for our our audience at home. The the change, the rapid change is measured by a thing called a beta and a beta is beta statistical measure of risk. It's a math number. And so a beta of 1.0 for those at home. I don't speak beta, by the way. That that particular mutual fund is exactly what the stock market is. S&P 500 is doing what the stock market is doing. A beta of 2.0, it means it's twice as risky. Mm. So this is an aggressive growth emerging market type stock fund portfolio. And so it's twice as risky as the market. So you would the way you would adjust for risk between a beta of a 0.8, which might be like a growth in income, versus a beta of 2.0, is you insert the beta in an inverse in the math formula, and you adjust for risk. So you can compare these two apples to apples, even though after risk a post-risk analysis. We don't do that in real estate. No one ever talks about that in real estate. It doesn't even come up. And so if, But we have kind of a brain, and our brain says, oh, wait a minute, if I'm a 110% leveraged in real estate, that's probably not good. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, this transfers, I think, not to just real estate. Guys, this transfers to trying to pursue a music career, trying to pursue YouTube. The difference is that uh, folks ain't jumping out the window and, and putting their entire financial stability on making – well, not everybody. I guess some people are, but – in real estate, to get that first flip off the ground, you know, you're maxing out credit cards. You're doing some wild stuff. If it doesn't happen, you can go bankrupt. And even bankruptcy is not the, the end of the world. If you don't have any assets, you just you seven years later, you're, you, you'll be fine. But in YouTube and music, people aren't doing these sorts of things. But you can go in five, ten grand, buy the whole setup, and and literally it never worked for you. You know, so there is uh, he's 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 dropping some gems here in terms of risk. So again. How are we looking at this, right? Like, like Graham Stephan broke down his finance. You guys should really watch the, the video. And he, when he broke down all of his investments, all of his debt, he literally had the amount of cash, cash sitting that he has in debt. Okay, so there's no risk there. So Ramsey would be like, "Well, just use the cash to pay off the debt." And he's like, "Yeah, but I don't want to because it's like three percent on these mortgages, right? That's that's the thing. So like, if if I'm carrying a balance on my credit card, I have three, four times that amount." sitting in my business account that I could instantly pay it off, right? And I do, again, pay it off every month. So I think that's the difference is like 
you're running something and, and you're taking advantage of programs, points, the leverage, blah, 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 but you you have the cash flow. And I think to Ramsey's point is most people can't handle that. Most people can't handle that. Most people don't have the 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 the, the discipline, the restraint to let me not just jump out the window and spend crazy exorbitant amounts of money on stuff and but right and I remember folks jumping out the window and building the studio I almost did that God for thank thank God I did not where I like went to the guitar center try to get a guitar center credit card and build out a pro tools HD system and it didn't work and so anyway what do you guys think about this kind of stuff like the assessment how much risk are you assessing and are you assessing the things that you can do to mitigate your risk specifically stuff like a 6 month savings emergency fund specifically stuff like decreasing your risk if you're trying to go for a hyper creative entrepreneurial type of career are you balancing that out because i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing if we weren't debt free and we didn't have six months of living expenses that positioned me and my wife and specifically my wife to feel comfortable letting me go to quit my job right my wife encouraged that and it's because we mitigated so much risk over the years by paying off all of our debt and having a ton of money saved up. And if I hadn't done that in 2015, well, we, we got out of debt in 2013, but we had six months of living expenses. We were good. So when 2015 came around, we saw an opportunity to quit. We quit and it was and it was fine. I'm personally not a fan of like, oh, I got to take out a 30-year fixed mortgage to get into a house. Like, I'm not a fan. And I'm going to take out that mortgage. I'm sure to pay it off as quickly as possible. Like, I don't like debt. I think, I think debt is generally speaking not good. Ideally, you want to decrease your overhead to nothing. And if you have no overhead, no debt, including no expenses on your house, what opportunities can you go then do and and what kind of stuff can you really do that you want to do? I don't think most of us are thinking like that because we're always thinking we're going to have a payment. Uh, I'm always going to have a car payment. I'm always going to have a credit card payment. I'm always going to have a student loan payment. I'm always going to have a house payment. But what if you didn't? What if there was, what if your burn rate was like two grand a month and it was just taxes, food, and whatever you wanted to do, right? And it, it says that Simeon blessed God. God. 